Get your Bible, Matthew 14. Let's have some fun tonight. I almost named this, Are You a Bread Breaker? <laughs> Actually, I named it, What's in Your Hand? Because lately, we have been talking about standing before God one day and giving account of our life. We've been talking about bearing fruit. What does it look like? Because Christianity is more than sitting in here. Thank you for sitting in here. And it's more than just believing in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus and he goes to church. So you have got nothing on the devil. He was here last Sunday. I saw him. No, not really. I'm teasing. But, um, but, but we, should, there's, there, we should be doing it. So I'm going to take the fear out of that tonight. I'm going to teach you how to bear fruit and enjoy the process and grow. It's a very simple process. It's, you've been doing it all your life already, but you're going to do it with the word. Okay. So in Matthew 14, verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat and desert, to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. It's very important. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion. That's the same Greek word as mercy. And he healed their sick. He wanted to be alone. He went off to be alone. They came looking for him. They, and, they, and they did not know he would be in the desert, but they were so desperate, they went looking for him. When, when it was evening, the disciples came and said, this is a deserted place. The hour is late. Send the multitudes away that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. And Jesus said, they don't need to go away. Now, that's, that's a wild statement because you're going to find out, and we've read this many, many times before, but listen to this statement. You give them something to eat. I'm going to ask you a question. Is he joking? No, he's not. Is he, is he trying to show them that they're, they're just humans and he's God? All right, now all of our life we've heard this. Jesus fed the multitude. He didn't. Now let me ask you another question. Why did he have the 12 disciples with him? Why were they there? Why did he say, come on, follow me? Teach them what? Now, a lot of people think that what he's doing is trying to teach them morals. They had morals. They're Jews. What's he teaching them? To be like him. All right. Now, the, the Jewish model of discipleship is different than the Greek model. The Greek model is to stand in front of people and talk to them. This is Greek teaching. It's not as effective as an apprenticeship. As a matter of fact, Paul used both. Jesus used both. Sermon on the Mount was a Greek style of teaching, but his average way of teaching was to walk with them, make them do it, and if they messed up, he's there to help them. Now, I'm a hands-on person. I, I can read a book, but I don't do good just reading a book. I've never learned that way. I am a hands-on learner. When I first started flying airplanes, 
I went in and read the books, and I'll tell you what I learned. Nothing. It didn't make any sense to me. And so I went out, and I hired a, a, a flight instructor, and I said, let's go. Let's go up. And he says, well, you know how to pre-flight an airplane? I said, no. He said, did you read the manual? And I said, yes. He said, what would you learn? I said, nothing. You, do, you may be more like this than you'd like to admit. And I said, well, walk with me. Scott Redman. As a matter of fact, I gave him Brother Hagen's tape, and he went to Raymond. Now he flies airplanes for Pastor Hagen. So I got him in Raymond. He tells his kids that. He says, that's the guy responsible for you being out here. So Scott walked me around the airplane, taught me to pre-flight it, got in, taught me how to crank it up, taught me how to do a mag check, taught me how to get on the rudders, taught me how to take off and land. And, and then I went home and read and went, oh, that's what that means. Are y'all like that? I'm just, I'm, I'm really very backwards. I really, and, if, and, and I'm actually a, a little slow. I don't, I don't, I'm try, trying to make you think I'm stupid, but I don't get something because you told me or showed me one time. I'm like, don't, you know, Lisa will come in here and say, well, you just do, da, 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 da. and I'll go, really? You know what I just learned? Nothing. I said, leave your hands off my computer. Keep your hand, because she gets impatient. You just hurry. I said, no, shh, hush. Now tell me one more time. Where, where are we going? To the word fine, okay, leave me alone. And she just can't stand the fact that I'm a one-finger typer. She's over there going, hurry. When I say patience, dear, patience, that's a virtue of this, the fruit of the Spirit, honey. So, but after I do it, then I got to go in there and write down what I did and do it over and over and over and over. And after you do it a while, it's a piece of cake walking apart. And everything in life for me is that way. And I believe there's a lot more of that. And that's why I think kids in school learn how that kid learns. Don't try to make them learn it your way. Because a lot of times it makes no sense. I learned more about America driving across it than I did in school. I can tell you the states and half the capitals and all kinds of stuff. Well, I've been everywhere. So uh, this, I just think there's more people like me anyway. So Jesus is doing that. So he, he's not joking. They don't need to go away. You feed them. As a matter of fact, he's going to make them feed them. And we're going to see in a minute that they did. All right, let's move on. Now, you can go out of here today and say, my pastor said Jesus never fed the multitude. And 999% will tell you, yes, he did, because they don't know squat. Okay. And he said to them, we have here... Only five loaves and two fish, and he said, bring them here to me. All right. Um, wow. Now, you don't have to put this up. Just put it up, John 20, 21. Just put it on the screen, and we'll just read it, and we'll have to go there. Now, look at this. I want to show you this. I want to prove what I just said is true. Jesus said to them again, peace I leave to you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now, we understand, and every one of us in this room have read the Scripture in John that the works that I do, you'll do also, haven't you? But most of us don't do it. Now, I'm going to show you how to do it, and I'm going to show you why you're not doing it. It's really simple. Do you all like simple? I'm going to make it so simple 
you can start doing the works of Jesus. Say, cool. All right, now we know that Jesus is training them, but guess what? He's training you. The whole point of you walking into church is so you can do things you've never done before. Now, I was telling Lisa this afternoon. When I first went to Ramah, well, let me back up. When I was in third grade, my teacher, Mrs. Armstrong, you always remember the mean ones. She embarrassed me out of my mind. She asked me to spell the word sale. Well, I didn't study. So I said S-A-L-E. And she said wrong. S-A-I-L. Well, I'm thinking, well, it wasn't wrong. So I decided I would never answer her questions again. Y'all, I'm giving a side of me y'all didn't know existed. So within a month of never talking to her again, Daryl, how'd your day? Just stare at her. Didn't say anything, that woman. I'm not, you're not embarrassing me in front of everybody in this class ever again, lady. She put me in Miss Fricks's class. And I spent the rest of third grade in Miss Fricks's because I never talked to Miss Armstrong again. <laughs> My mother and father had gone through a divorce and I was going through hell on earth and I just wasn't in the mood to be embarrassed. And I was a kid and it scared me to death. Now, so what happened to me was I was deathly afraid to stand in front of people and talk. And I told you, I was introvert, very, very introvert. So at Rama, when I had found out I had to speak, it took me a week to come up with four minutes and 30 seconds of something to say. But do you know how you do it? You start. You just do it. And, and so I was telling Lisa today, I says, I have to remember that when I grab somebody and say, Debbie, get up here and say, you know, and everybody, oh, and you're sucking the air out of the room because you're scared out of your mind, I have to go back and remember I, yeah, I actually went through that too a long time ago. But you don't get to where you want to be. You don't, no one is going to just go leaps and bounds into their future and learn anything. That's the point that I'm going to make tonight. God is training you, but he's doing it a step at a time. A little here and a little there and a little. And if I went around the room, I could tell you there are people that have made great strides in your walk with God this year that are sitting in this room right here. You've done things you didn't do last year at all. Is that right? You need to rejoice over the victories. Don't ever compare yourself with another person. If you made it strides, celebrate where you, what you did. When I preached for four minutes and 30 seconds, I, we had a party because I'd never stood in front of anybody and had that much to say in my life. And then it went to five and then it went to seven. I started going to the city jail. That's where I learned to preach because I kind of figured no one was going to get up and leave. And if you can preach while they're telling you to go to Hades, you can preach anywhere. <laughs> yeah. 
And they were begging people to come down to the detox center on Saturday morning and all the bums, they got off the street Friday night. And I would go in there and just preach. And you don't need a microphone because all it is is concrete and steel. You open your mouth and it echoes off of everything. And you sound good. You, you can sound good as preaching in the jail as you can singing in the shower. So that's where I learned to preach, and I learned, actually trained myself to do it a little bit at a time. So that's, that's what we're going for tonight. So anyway, um, so he said to them, you give them something to eat. And he said, we have only five loaves. Bring it here to me. And he commanded the multitudes to sit down. Now, now why is he doing this? Um, go, go to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and just pop it up on the screen, and... Um, We'll, and then I got to go backwards in a minute. Jesus said, call to me all you the labor and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. You're going to find out every time that God gives you a job to do, you're going to have a tendency to do it in the physical and to wear yourself out doing it. God don't want you doing that. He wants you to obey him, but he wants you to do everything resting. In other words, he doesn't want you going, Oh, my God, that's, oh, I'm stressed out of my ever-loving mind. No, he doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to trust the grace of God that's in you. You're, the greater one is in you, and you have abilities in you. They're not natural. All right, I'm going to prove it to you. How many of you, someone has asked you a question, and you opened your mouth, and you talk to them past your knowledge. And you walked away and went, that was good. Oh, my God. That was such a great answer. Where did that come from? All right. That's God in you. But because God puts you in that situation, you've got to learn that, that it's always going to be Christ in you, the hope of glory, doing the works of Jesus, not you. But it'll always be you stepping out, and then he takes over, and you're going to rest even though you're doing what he said. Does that make sense? It's an oxymoron at best. Now, let's talk about my, me pastoring this church. The only time, and I, I've had to learn something. It took me years to learn it. I have done things I thought were good ideas. That's where burnout comes from. Burnout happens when you're doing something God didn't tell you to do. And you're trying to make it happen, and he's not helping and then you run around mad at everybody because they didn't come to your Bible study and he didn't tell you to start it. Now, I, had a, I, I started a 501c3 traveling evangelistic ministry before I pastored this church. And in one year, I got three places to preach. You talking about I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked to be an evangelist. And God went, what are you doing? And I said, where are you? are you? He said, well, I am not with you. I said, that's obvious. <laughs> and really, it's, it's, it's intimidating. So you've got to find out what he told you to do. And when you do it, there is a grace that'll come on you to do the thing he called you to do. Now, I'm not saying you never do anything. You're not sitting around waiting on God while you sit at home and watch TV. No, you're going to be out doing things. But if you head a direction, nothing works, back off, head another direction, see what. And then one day you hit something, you go, whoa, that worked. 
And don't be afraid of failure. I, I, I really need to come in here one night and just preach a whole hour on failure. You will fail. I expect you to fail. You're going to find a lot of ways not to do stuff. That doesn't mean you are a failure. Thomas Edison said, I found 2,000 ways not to make a light bulb. It didn't mean that God didn't call him to make a light bulb. It just means that everything you try, you're not going to be good at it the first day. Are you all listening? Now, let me go back for a minute and talk to you because we're talking about ministry now. I remember the day the Lord asked me to pray for a boy to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't. I was scared. I said, I'm going to tell him about this and you're not going to show up. And he's not going to speak in tongues and he's going to ask me why and I don't know. And, I, and God kept saying, talk to him about the Holy Ghost. And I, was, I just sat there and just, I clapped my jaw. Mm-mm. It terrified me to minister to people. Finally, I went home and repented. Went back and showed him the scriptures. And the boy got filled with the Holy Ghost started speaking in tongues. I was more amazed than he was. <laughs> but that's where, with me, it all began. It all began with a very fearful first time, but I had to learn to rest in the Word of God. And that's the point. Whatever He's asked you to do, you've got to learn to obey, but you've got to learn to rest. What happens if I tell them about Jesus and they don't get saved? Nothing. What if I pray for them and they don't get healed? Brother Hagin said he's had people die in the prayer line. Lay hands on them, they fall out dead, not in the power, dead, died right there. You scoop them up, call the ambulance, and go to the next guy. What are you going to do? Okay. <laughs> now, see, that's why a lot of people don't do anything because they're afraid it might not work. Or, or you're afraid that they'll ask you a question you don't know. Well, then look at them and go, I don't know. But that's a good point. Go home and study. That's, that's how you learn. Someone asks you something, you go, I don't know the answer to that. Well, that'll be a good point for me to study. I, I've been asking the Lord to help me study, and I didn't know what to read. I'll, get a, I'll just learn the answer to that. And, and I have actually taken sometimes a day and sometimes one year to answer a question. But every sermon I preach today came because someone asked me, and I didn't know. Every sermon. Because I didn't know. I used to lead people. I used to pray with I used to talk to people about Jesus and they say, how do you get saved? And I go, go to church. I didn't know how to get you saved. And I really struggled with how does a person actually get born again? And all of the stuff I preach in Easter happened because I went to God and sought him diligently to find that out. And he taught it to me. You understand this? That's part of life. Do y'all understand that? All right, this is good preaching whether you like it or not. Okay, I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to go to Matthew 16. Turn the page, two pages over, because he, he's, he, he's sitting them down, and he's fixing to give them something to eat. Matthew 16, 5. I want to read something to you so you'll understand there's more going on here than bread. Do you all understand this? Because God is not showing you this so you can go home and feed your neighbors. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm. What does he really put the story in the Bible for? For you to break bread with them. Well, y'all are so exciting. I'm going to get excited myself with y'all. Verse 5. When the disciples had come from the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves and said, it's because we have taken no bread. And Jesus was aware of it, and he said, oh, you guys of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about bread? Do you not understand? Don't you remember five loaves? I can make bread. How many about the 5,000? How many baskets? Seven loaves, 4,000. Guys, I'm not asking you about physical bread. How is it you do not understand? I'm not speaking to you concerning bread. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine. All right. Now, what is the doctrine of the world? Why are you here? The do- Satan's doctrine in the world is I can do it. That's a satanic doctrine. The Pharisees' doctrine was we keep the law, therefore we're righteous. Everywhere you go in the earth today, when you're talking to non-believers or carnal Christians, everything is about, I am a good person. He said, he said, and listen, you beware of that doctrine. That will send you straight to hell. Amen. And I'm sending you out to counter that doctrine. Wherever you go, I'm asking you, to take the bread of life and break it with people. That means that your only mission in life is that when you're sitting down at the table and talking and when you're doing life together, that you learn how to share Jesus. Not religion, not what your pastor preaches, not what you believe, just Jesus. They don't need anything. They don't, it doesn't matter whether they tithe. It doesn't matter what they think of Oral Roberts. It doesn't matter what they think of Prosperity Message or Kenneth Copeland. All of those things are totally irrelevant. It's not a big concern. All God wants you to do is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees versus sharing the bread of the gospel. In other words, where we're going right now is he's teaching them how to break bread and share it and feed a multitude, but they are going to do it. And each one person in this parable, in this story, is only going to feed one other person. That's a powerful thing to hear. Jesus did not feed them. Peter didn't feed them. So here's, here's what happened. Jesus gave thanks. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Always be thankful for little. All of your life, whatever little you have, don't you'll never get more from God if you're not thankful for little. 
If you have a little house, don't complain. Be thankful. If you have a little knowledge of Jesus, be thankful for the little knowledge you have. God's not asking you to do anything except be thankful. for. So when it says that Jesus blessed the bread, what it says in most of the stories is he lifted it up and he thanked God for the few fish and the few loaves of bread. Now, don't run around in life worried about what you do not know. Stop that. I don't know enough. None of us know enough. I don't know enough. There are people in the ministry, they intimidate me, and I'm smart. And I'm going, whew, that guy has really got it together. Well, I'm not going to sit around and worry about that. I didn't start this church because I'm all-knowing. I started it, well, you know, they asked me, but I said yes. Because there wasn't anybody else doing it, and there wasn't anybody else qualified to do it. I didn't know a lot, but I knew enough to get it started. And God added to it, taught me. I, I came in as ignorant as the people in the church, maybe a notch above. You know the way you learn to fly an airplane? I'm going to tell you this. I think Kyle Martin's learning to fly. I'm going to tell you how guys learn to fly 747s. I'm going to tell you how they do it. They get a private pilot's license. That's all they get. Then they get a CFI. They become a certified flight instructor, and they take other people up and start training them in the basics. And they do it over and over and over and over and over. And when they get finished, what they have never realized is while they're training people to fly, they're learning more than anyone else. Then they go get their instrument rating. Then they get a CF double I, and they start training people to fly instruments. At the end of two or three years, all of those guys have built up enough hours and enough time to go to school to learn to be a commercial pilot. But it wasn't because of the books and the little bit of flying. Most of the time, they're in the right seat, not flying at all. Am I making sense? It's because they're going over it and over it and over it and over it. The things that you're asking God to do, he's always going to ask you to step out with the tiny amount you have. You're not, he's not going he's not going to teach you everything so you can begin. He will only teach you enough to get started. I want to talk to you today about Jesus. What do you know? Well, I have a real good handle on one scripture. <laughs> I don't know anything else, but if you don't mind, I'd like to read it to you. And then don't ask me anything else because I don't know. <laughs> but are y'all getting this? Yeah, Everything in your life works this way. Now, I'm going to say something that will be a little critical. It's why y'all are still sitting on your butt. Because you've never taken the knowledge you have and shared it. If you would share it, 
God would take you back to the classroom and teach you more. But you're still sitting waiting on God to do something and you've never acted on the tiny, tiny, tiny bit you have. It is the principle of God. Now, let's talk about tongues and interpretation and the gifts of the Spirit and being super spiritual. There will come a day where you'll be sitting in here and you'll go, and God will give you one word. And he'll say, prophesy, and you'll go, no. And you're going, is this God or is this me? And it'll be thus. God, a little more than thus. And he goes, prophesy, and you're going, no. I can't prophesy with one word. And you're back there arguing with God and you've been praying for the gifts of the Spirit and he's helping you. He gave you thus. Am I right, Catherine? Thus says the Lord and off you go. But are y'all getting this? There's, he'll prime you, but he's not going to give you the whole tamale. He's going to get you to start off in faith and he's going to get, you're going to trust him and it will be that way all your life. Boy, that's good preaching. I, and that's why the body of Christ is basically not very good at ministry. Because they're scared out of their mind to step out and go, I have a word for you. What is it? Thus? <laughs> and I mean, when you say thus, I mean, it's about to come out of you like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're going to go, oh, that was God. Because he doesn't want you to think about it because then you start thinking about it, then you're going to add your opinion to his problem. He don't want you. He don't want your opinion. He wants to talk out of you. Amen. Are y'all getting this? And so sometimes, sometimes I'll go home and he'll give me one scripture. Like, what do you want me to preach on? One scripture. And I'll say, okay. And I'll sit down and I'll start looking and I'll start making notes. And when I get up here, oh my God, y'all would, you'd be amazed at how much he adds after I get here. And I'm going, you know, that's not very many notes. That's all he gave me in my bedroom. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? So there's a certain amount of faith you're going to put in life if you want to be used by God. So he's trying to teach them this principle with the bread. But he's talking about the word. He's training Peter to be a preacher. He's training the disciples to preach. He's training the church to be the church. So when he says, you feed them, he's not joking. I want you to do it. And they're going, I can't feed a multitude. I don't want you to feed the multitude. I want you to feed one other person. So Peter, he walks up and he takes a loaf and he breaks it and he hands it to Peter. Peter's standing there with one half of a loaf of bread. And he turns to Bartholomew and he goes, there's yours. And Bartholomew goes over and they're sitting down in groups of 50, sometimes 100. So they walk up, someone is sitting there with a crowd about this big. And they break off and said, there's your piece. You feed her. 
That's all I want you to do. I don't care. Don't worry about the crowd. You feed her. And you break it, hand it to her. She breaks it, hands it. She breaks it, hands it. When it's all done, no one saw the miracle and everyone was a part of it. That's the cool. That's so cool. Now, the story in the Bible where he lifts up the bread and when he comes down, the thing has just got bread falling out of it. That's baloney. They should have asked me before they made that stupid movie. I'm sorry, I get all over people's dog. I look at that, I can't watch Christian movies. I go, that is so wrong. (laughs) That's all right, I do it with Hallmark too, so don't. I do it with, Lisa don't watch TV with me sometimes unless, if I'm quiet, she goes, oh my God, you're not saying nothing. Can I tell you all a movie I enjoyed and it's a, it's a chick flick? Pride and Prejudice. That was a good movie. There is so much character in that movie. Whoever wrote it really thought through what they were writing because that's, that is a very, very real life the way men act, the way women act, and pride and prejudice. And, it, and when I got through, Lisa's like, you said nothing? I said, I liked it. She's going, I can handle reality. I can't handle stupid. When, when I'm watching a movie at home like Hallmark and they lie, I leave the room. I go, listen, girl. You created your own problem. You lied. Now go tell him the truth. Lisa's going, shh. So I'm going to go read my Bible. I want to read something true. I can't handle this mess. Am I destroying Hallmark in y'all's eyes? I'm not. We've actually watched, we actually watched one movie not too long ago, and I didn't say much. It was decent. I, I, maybe I should tell you that. I don't forgot the name of it. You know, I try to have times with my wife, and it's just, you got to really, let's watch a cowboy movie. I can get that. Let's watch a war movie or something like that. I can handle that. Let's watch Trump. Did y'all see that the other night? I didn't make a, I didn't say nothing except to the numb nuts that didn't stand up. I was screaming, hollering, shouting, hallelujah, buddy. This is good. That was good. That was good. That was better than a movie. Anyway. So much of that. Hallelujah. All right. Um, uh, go to John 6, 22. I want to show you something. With it. And don't, don't, don't lose your place here. We're coming back. But I'm trying to build, I'm trying to build something for you. So if you go to John 6, we're going to talk about bread again. Just a little bit more. So really what we're talking about is, is God training you to do, to do ministry. Isn't that right? That's what we're talking about tonight. And I'm teaching you how to do it, and I'm showing you that it's easy. Thank you. Now one person. Now there's three. It's, say, everybody say, it's easy. It's actually very easy. Just begin. Just begin. Okay, God's not asking you to do something hard. John 6, 22. 
On the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, they saw there was no one in the boat except one of his disciples entered, and Jesus had entered the boat with the disciples. The disciples had gone away alone. And they knew that Jesus had stayed on the shore, and the disciples got in the boat and left, and they went, how did Jesus get here? They didn't know he walked across the water. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, and they got in boats, came, came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? How did you get over here? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which is endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father sent and put his seal on him. Now let's stop for a minute because we're talking about ministry. And I'm going to say something and you all need to listen to me very carefully. Most of the people that you're going to talk to in this life about Christianity are only interested in Jesus on what he can do for them, but not lordship. And you need to know that. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all things will be added unto you. So I'm going to make a statement. I want you all to hear me well. There comes a point when you're a baby Christian and you come forward to get healed, you probably will. But there comes a time in your life after two or three years that if you have not matured and you have you got to quit seeking healing, stop it. You're not going to get healed. Seek him. You've, you've got to quit seeking his hand and Christianity means you're going to start seeking his face. He's interested in you growing up. Are y'all getting this? Because I want you to get this. This is extremely important. And, and, and there's so many people. Listen, Benny Hinn is an evangelist. The people in his meetings are unsaved or babies. If you've been in church 10 years, you can stay home. You're not going to get anything at Benny Hinn's meetings. Until you get your Bible out and quit seeking physical food. You're living for food. You're living for money. You're living for your job. You're living for a physical realm only. And God don't like that. There's nothing wrong with you having money. There's nothing wrong with you eating. There's nothing wrong with all of the natural things. But Sunday, God set aside a day for you to seek God, and he wants you interested in your spiritual life and not your physical, because your physical is mirroring your spirit man. You're sick in your body because your spirit man is sick. And he healed you the first time because the same reason you gave the bum on the road $20, but you're not going to feed him every night. Get a job. It's not wrong to look at a person and say, get a job. You keep feeding you. No, don't get mad at me. Don't put up with it with your kids either. Your kids come in and say, I don't need money. Get a job. I gave you money when you were three, and I gave you money when you were five, but you're 25. Get a job. Well, I ain't got no money for my truck. Well, then use the bike and go to work. Well, that's a long ways. I really don't care. 
Now, I sound a lot like God, but you don't understand this yet. So you're going to be talking to people about spiritual things, and, and then you're going to find out that many, many, many people who th- call themselves Christians are coming into a church. If, if, if healings break out, this place will pack out. And if they stop, it'll dwindle right back down again. When God quits handing cookies out, all that's left is the people that are serious. Don't get mad at me. I was with um, Dwayne Sheriff the other day, and he's one of the teachers at Karis. He made a statement. He said, many students, they don't even have a church. What are you doing in Bible school? You're not growing without a church. I don't care who you are. He didn't put you in a Bible school so you can sit at home. I know the Bible. Well, you don't. No, you don't. Because you can't walk in love toward people and you can't help anybody until you put your hand to the plow and start doing something in the church he designed. Amen. Now that's one of, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the guy that Andrew takes overseas. That's one of the premier teachers in the school. Talking about his school, so I, I didn't say that. But I'm going to tell you something, it's very difficult when you pastor in a church and you keep laying hands on the same people over and over and over and you keep walking up to them and saying, well, can I, can I suggest, you know, um, there's, some, there's some good teaching online. Yeah. And then you come back and want to, what happened to them? Where's God? Where's God? It always comes back to where's God? Well, honey, the seed, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The parable of the sower. Get the rocks out, get the weeds out, get the sin out, get the cares out, get the riches out, get the pleasures out, and the seed will take root, and it will 100% of the time, it will work. It's the ground. It's the ground. It's not the seed. And that's, and Jesus said right here, these people came, he healed them all, and they came around and said, oh, we'd like to have some more bread. And he didn't, he didn't make no more bread. He said, you're not even interested in me. You just want me to feed you. The problems we're having in America today are over somebody owes me money. Ain't nobody owe you nothing. Don't shout me down. We live in a screwed up world today. And that's driving the, the world is driving politics. You put me in office, I'll get you something. Oh, I'll vote for you, baby. Yeah. I don't care if you're a lie, cheat, and crook. I'll vote for you anyway. Yeah. That's right. Well, I don't need to get in politics. Now, you're going, when you're talking to people, you're, you're going to find people that go, well, you know what? I got prayed for one time and nothing happened. You did. Mean God. Never mind. Are y'all out there? Even sinners know right from wrong. Did you know the madman of Gadara worshiped Jesus? Full of demons? You can if you want to. I don't care if you have a legion of demons in you. You can worship God. I didn't have that in my notes either. Are y'all getting this? This is important because God is sending you out to minister, to break bread, share the word of God. 
And, and these are things they are going to stump you because they're going to come at you with, what about oil robbers? Well, oil robbers is not what we're talking about. I told a guy one time, I said, is oil robbers? I said, what's wrong with oil robbers? He said, well, he's stealing. I said, he did? He said, yeah. I said, have you ever stolen? He said, yeah. I said, you said oil's going to hell. He said, he is. I said, so are you. I said, you want to leave all Roberts alone right now? Let's talk about you. And he went, yeah. <laughs> you got to get a little smart. Sinners aren't all that bright. It's not all that there. It's just real simple. So you understand that when, when I'm saying to you for you to minister, you, you got to get over being afraid to talk to people. All you need to show them is Jesus. What they do with it. It's not your responsibility to make them. It, God didn't ask you to clean his fish. He just said, you share the word. All he asked you to do, break the bread and hand it to your neighbor. Just break it and hand them the scripture and let God do his job. God is the one going to turn it into a bigger loaf in their hand. That's not your concern. Just break it. Are y'all getting this? This is so simple. You'd have be surprised at how many people I've walked up to and said one thing and they came and got saved. Got right with God. I just gave them one scripture and boom. But yet I gave a scripture to 30 other people and nothing happened. That's not my concern. Now, I'm going to say one more. I've already made you mad. Don't come to me and ask me where someone is that came to this church. They're responsible for the word if I'm a heathen, I'm not. They're responsible for that book. Are y'all out there? They're, all of this, I don't go to church, someone didn't talk to me. That's not why you don't go to church. You don't go to church for someone. You go to church because Jesus said to. He said, don't forsake that is between you and God. It's not between you and anybody in this building, sweetheart, because if you're looking for imperfections, just come in my office. I'll give you a list of every idiot in this church and all the stupid. I mean, if you want to write up something, I can get We'll start with me. Don't even go looking. You do not stand up in front of people and talk for 45 minutes two times a week without ever saying something stupid. I've gone in there and went, why did I say that? Why did I, oh, are you serious? And Lisa's going, we're going to have to edit that. <laughs> and the visitors are going, whoo, help us, Jesus. <laughs> We're preaching Jesus, not Daryl. Now, I'm not saying that preachers shouldn't live right. I'm going to tell you something. I'm doing, I'm, I'm giving it 110%. But there, every once in a while, you will hear from Daryl. <laughs> and so it is with you. If you're afraid of making a stupid you're going to make a stupid. You help someone, you're going to do something real stupid. You're going to go, forget everything I just said. That was not right. 
If you're going to prophesy and speak in tongues and interpret, there are days it will be God. There are days it will be you. And we'll go, that was not God. And you're going to go, no, that wasn't much of nothing, was it? No, it was terrible. Okay, let's have church. Just get over it. And the next week, you know, Peter, he says something and God said, that was God. And he says something and he says, that's the devil. <laughs> and he didn't kick him out because he did something stupid. All right, now he's talking here. Now let's go back. Let's go back to Matthew 14. Am I bouncing you around? I am bouncing you around. Okay, I got, oh, I got a few minutes. Matthew 14. Let's finish reading this, and then we'll go look at one more thing. I want everybody to say this. Say, ministering is really easy. Say, God's not asking me to do what I don't know what to do. He's not asking me to give what I don't have. That's all he's asking. Just give what you got. All right, let's finish, let's finish reading this. Okay. I'm at 16. That's why I can't, that's why I messed up. You give them something to eat, bring here, commanded them to sit on the grass, two fish of heaven. And he gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the multitude. See, it's in there, isn't it? I sh- see, I showed you what really happened. Every person there was a part of the miracle. God's, I, God's dream for this church is not for Daryl and Lisa to grow it. Don't shout me down. That's impossible. We're going to have to start gaming thrilling you or we can all get busy and everybody go home and go well I do have one scripture if you've never led him by the Lord then make it a goal this year that you'll lead one person don't go off the chart but don't sit where you are and do nothing anymore don't do it if you screw it up screw it up But God would rather you mess it up than do nothing. You remember the guy with the talent? He said, I was afraid, and I hid it in the ground. Don't you hide the things God gave you in the ground. You use them. He would rather you, he said, put it in the bank. Listen, just share it. If nobody ever gets saved, just share it anyway. Start doing something with what I've given you. Are you all okay? Because that's a real simple message. Okay. And then when they all ate and were filled, they took up 12 baskets and, and everyone ate and 5,000 men besides women and children. Okay, now, real fast, go to um, Exodus 4.2, and, and, we'll, and we'll close with this. Old Testament Exodus. I'm going to show you this in the Old Testament and show you how God thinks, how he operates, how he will operate with you. Boy, I'm excited, but anyway, I, I really liked my sermon tonight, and um, I just got you over all your fears, if you'll just listen. It's, it's really so simple. Exodus 4.1, Moses answered and said, but suppose they don't believe, nor listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord's not appeared to you. 
Suppose I pray and nothing happens. Suppose I'm not even called to do that. Suppose I'm not anointed. Suppose I, well, I mean, God, come on, I got all these excuses. And look what he says. What is in your hand? He goes, well, I got a stick. He said, well, that'll be enough. You got a stick? Well, I've been tending sheep with it. Has it worked good with sheep? Well, yeah. Well, it'll work good with mine. Take your stick and go to Egypt. Amen. He didn't go to Ramah. Didn't go to Karis. He just left with a stick. Amen. That's right. Now, I'm listening. It's amazing what you could do with little. I mean a little knowledge and a little bit. You start using it and you watch what God does with that. Amen. Now, now it's amazing to me. Let's go back to my story. One sermon, four minutes, 30 seconds. I took what little I had, not much. Took me one week to get a sermon. Seven days, eight hours a day studying to talk for four minutes and 30 seconds. And I've been to 16 nations. I've led thousands of people to Jesus. And I've raised two people from the dead. And I started with nothing but a scripture. I started with John 3, 16 and, and, a, and a Bible. And that's all I had. And I started going to a prison and preaching one scripture to those guys. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you, but that you would have life through his name. And that I would preach a simple message and pray with them, and the guys in the jail, some of them would get born again, and I'd go home. And next week when I came back, I learned one more scripture. I said, we're going to read John 3, 16, 17, and 18 today. I learned 18. And the next week, and about two months, three months later, they asked me to preach at McAllister State Penitentiary. I had actually had five scriptures I knew by then. And I went down there and I preached five scriptures with everything I had. And I said, that's all I've got. And I gave an altar call and men got saved. And I went home and I went, yay. I felt like David with three rocks. And then I went back, and then I came, and I, and I started working with the youth. And you know what my biggest fear was? What am I going to say next week? I done preached everything I know. I'd go home and get my Bible out, and God would give me a scripture, and I'd go, oh, awesome, glory to God. It shouldn't take more than 10 minutes. And then I started preaching like 30 whole minutes, and that was like a miracle. I'd say, I preached 30 minutes. I had scriptures, oh, I don't know where they came from. And then it went to 45. And now I preach two or three hours and y'all are going, please be quiet. Please <laughs> shut up. <laughs> y'all getting this? So this is the way. Everything God does, that's how he does it. Everything. When he asks you to do something, when he said, I want you to pastor, Bill Leggett died. I went to Tom and I said, how do you do a funeral? I don't know what to do at a funeral. 
and Tom gave me an outline and some scriptures, and I came and did it, and I was shaking, and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I didn't know squat about funerals, and I've done a whole lot since. I could write a book on it. Are y'all getting this? This is so simple, y'all. You're praying about stuff, and let's, one more scripture. You remember when it's the, the, the guys that were, he said, why do we sit here till we die? I mean, if we go in town, we die. If we go to them, we die. But we're just, I don't want to sit here anymore. I think the greatest thing you'll ever do in your life is just get up no matter how little and just, just act on what you know. The lady at work God's been trying to talk to you about witnessing to, and you've been going, I don't know, no, 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 no. Just walk up. If all you know is three minutes, share and walk away. Leave it alone. And she'll come back and go, you have no idea I needed that. And you're like, are you serious? I had a word of knowledge? God, oh, you serious? And then you'll go out and get cards and call yourself a prophet? <laughs> call the television station and ask them, can you come on? And Channel 55. And this is good, isn't it? I'm going to ask you some questions. How many of y'all have had in the past God gave you one simple thing to do? And you did it. And, and you were, were you amazed? Yes. You're like, that was good. Oh, yeah. All right, let me ask you one more question. How many of y'all right now, the Lord is dealing with your heart and there's something he's asking you to do and you feel a little bit like, not quite sure I can do that. Oh, yeah. You'll never... You'll never learn anything until you do it. Amen. Now, I'm going to close with this one statement. Are you all ready for this? We read a lot about mind renewal. Mind renewal is not because you're reading the Bible. You read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, and you're going, that don't make no sense. I had a man came in here one night, and he looked at me and he said, why hadn't God filled me with the Spirit? I said, I don't I don't know. I look like God. I don't know. And I walked away and I said, God, why hadn't you filled him with the Holy Ghost? And I never met him before, and I only met him one time after that. And the Lord told me. And I turned around to him and I said, let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked God to fill you with the Spirit? He goes, hundreds of times. And I said, did he? He said, no. I said, so he lied. He said, I didn't say that. I said, yes, you did. I read Luke 11. He said, he said, no, he didn't. I said, he lied. He said, I didn't say that. I said, yes, you did. You said he lied. I said, did God, did you ask him to fill you with the Spirit? Yes. Did he? No. I said, he, so you said he lied. I didn't say that. And we had a little argument standing right back there by that blue chair for about five minutes. Finally, he got tired of fighting with me because I'm not going to get off this. Finally, I said, did you ask him? Yes. I said, did he? And he stood there and looked at me. I said, Luke 11 says he did. He said, what do I do? I said, start talking in tongues. He said, I can't. I said, won't. Can't, won't. Can't, won't. Can't, won't. Can't, won't. We had another argument. Finally, he stopped fighting with me. He said, what? I said, speak in tongues. So he got real spiritual, closed his eyes. 
I guess so God couldn't see him. <laughs> Y'all ever do that? You can't, you can't see me. My sister did that all the time. He lifted his hands and he went. And I said, what is that? And he goes, that's me. I said, well, who else would it be? But what was his issue? He never acted on it. Then I saw him in Andrews. Two months later, I said, you speak in tongues? He goes, no, I lost it. I said, you did not. I said, you're not doing it. I said, what are you up here in line for? He says, get filled with the Holy Spirit. What's his problem? You tell me, what's his problem? He's not acting on it. He believes it, but he's not acting. What's yours? You're not acting on what he told you. Your only issue right now is you're scared to act on the little thing he told you to do. What if it's me? Well, who else would it be? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Are y'all getting this? Oh, what if I mess up? Oh, hello. Tell me you ain't never messed up nothing. Oh, we mess up all the time. It won't be the first time. I, I just dare y'all, the next time we have a Wednesday night service, just prophesy. If it's stupid, we'll just look at you and go, ah, that wasn't God. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You get in your shower and you start speaking in tongues and interpreting. I guarantee you, God will hook his mouth up to yours. And you'll go, that was so God. <laughs> Lay hands on sick people and after a while. You feel the power of God come out of you and hit them and knock them down and heal them and you'll go, are you serious? Oh my God, I did it. I have to go on channel 55 now. I've got to go on channel. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What has God given you and why aren't you doing something with it? Come on, I don't want you to preach anymore tonight. I have exactly 60 seconds left to, for you to convince me you got this. Say, I got it. All right, say, I will. Start doing the little thing he gave me to do. The results are his problem. This is powerful, guys. I just answered, I just answered, listen, I should charge y'all $1,500 for this. I mean, Hillary charges what? And she don't even say anything. So this has got to be worth, right? No, no. Don't, don't leave tonight and forget what you heard here. God is waiting on you. Father God, thank you. I think they got it. It took us a long time tonight, sir. But I can feel in my heart that they're going, I think I got this. You've been wanting me to do this. And I've been waiting on you to do it, God. And you're waiting on me to do it. Yeah. Father God, let us, I pray we walk out of here tonight and we go, I think I'm getting this thing. I think I am getting a handle on this faith stuff. And Father God, I pray that every one of us as we step out, begin to act on the word and do the things you're saying. And we already know you're going to show up. 
we already know we're going to hear testimonies of my, oh my God, that works so easy. Father God, there's people around us that need scripture. There's things and just to minister the word or and even the gifts of the Holy Spirit work the same way. And I pray this church would be a Holy Ghost church and these people would be ministers and people would be free by the power of God because of them. And we give you thanks. Now I'm going to tell you what happens to you after you act on one thing. He'll give you two. So you'll always live by faith. And then after he gives you two, he'll give you four. And then after he gives you four, he'll, he's going to keep increasing you. He's going to increase your effectiveness. This year, you will do more than you did last year if you're following God. Now, he's not going to overload you. But at the end of the year, he's going to have doubled you. And then 2019, he's going to double you again. Are y'all, y'all getting this? God bless every one of you. Thank you for coming to church. I love every one of you so much. Bye. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.